Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. The Bible reading is from 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verses 1 through to 20. There was a certain man from Ramathimeh, a Zuphite, from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerome, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shehol, where Hophni and Penethas, the two sons of Elah, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow, saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Elah observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and said to her, How long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something. And her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. In the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. I have just had the best text. Hannah's pregnant. I have to admit, it is such a surprise. Praise God. I'm usually so close to her being her maidservant, 
but I haven't been working recently since my own little one was born. Don't, don't you know Hannah's story? Oh, well, I'll have to go back to the beginning. It hasn't been an easy time, I can tell you. You know Elkanah, that's Hannah's husband. He's madly in love with her. It was a dream marriage. They were the perfect couple. But then Hannah was barren. She couldn't have any children. So Elkanah did what every wealthy man does. Well, at least in my culture. He took another wife, Penina. That is what every influential man does. Think of Abraham when Sarah was barren. He took Hagar. And as planned, Penina produced many children for Elkanah. Now, you would have thought this would solve the issue. Uh, Far from it. You might be wondering what the issue was with not having children. Even in your culture, you must understand the heartache that comes with those who want a child desperately and can't have one. But for us, it is far worse. Children, and particularly sons, carry on the family line. Without sons, who will look after Hannah when she's old? And as a woman in my culture, your sole purpose, your identity was to have children, to be a mother. If you couldn't, you are a failure. You are worthless. Amazingly, though, Elkanah still loved Hannah. He could have thrown her out, divorced her, but he loved her. Elkanah loves Hannah, and Penina has the children. Problem solved. No. Yes, yes, Penina had many children, but she was so jealous of Elkanah's love for Hannah that she was awful to her, constantly belittling her, getting at her. To be honest, it seems more often than not that having more than one wife doesn't seem to make things easy. If we think about Rachel and Leah, Sarah and Hagar, it's almost as if God doesn't think multiple wives is a good idea. Anyway, anyway, uh, you must know that Elkanah is a godly man. He goes up every year to worship at Shiloh, which is 16 miles from here at Ramah. And that's where the tabernacle is. You know, the tabernacle, you probably know, is the tent where the ark containing the stones of the Ten Commandments are. And because Elkanah is a godly man, we would go up there three times a year. We would all go family, servants, kitchen sink, you name it. But it wasn't a happy family affair. Take one meal, one evening, as an example. Elkanah offered a sacrifice and then gave out the portions of the fellowship offering, gave out the meat. He handed it out because he really loved Hannah. He gave her a double portion. And then, of course, Panina started up again, mocking, making comments to Hannah about her lack of children. Where were her sons? What was she going to pass on? It was impossible. And Hannah couldn't eat. She was so distressed. Oh, the irony. Panina wants what Hannah has, Elkanah's love, and Hannah wants what Panina has, children. It was a mess. But then Elkanah wades in, as only a man can do, and puts his foot right in it. Hannah's crying, and Elkanah asks her, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? And then wait for it, the classic. 
Am I not more to you than ten sons? Oh no, that's it, yes. It was like an episode of that program you will watch Jeremy Kyle. He may love her, but he simply does not understand her. For him, he has his children. The family that will carry on his name, he loves Hannah. Simple as that. He doesn't realize the comments from the other women when Hannah goes into town. The Lord has closed her womb. The childless one. Her husband had to take another wife. And you know how it is. No Jewish woman wants to be head of a house. She wants to be head of a home full of life. Honestly, Elkanah simply did not think his love enough to replace one child Not a chance. And what was it he suggested? Ten? Ha! Where was I? Yes. But Hannah didn't expect her answers from Elkanah. She believed in God's power. She was a godly woman. The next morning, after the feasting, Hannah rose and went to the temple to pray. She prayed and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant, see, She was bold. She asked for God's blessing. Remember me and not forget your servant, but will give your servant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Now you must understand what she means here. She expressed her longing to dedicate herself to the Lord. Everything, including what God gives her. She was such a godly woman. I tell you, if it was me, then I, after a feast with all that lovely food and wine, I would not have been going to temple first thing in the morning. I may well have been sleeping off the excesses of the night before. Hannah completely trusted in God's goodness. She poured out her heart, and she had no doubt that God would hear her prayer and understand her. She offers a child even before she's conceived one. Now Eli, the high priest, he was sitting beside the doorpost of the tent. He saw her there, but uh, he only saw her lips moving, and he thought she was drunk. Well, you know, his sight is growing dim. But this really took the biscuit. First, her husband simply says the wrong thing, and now the high priest misunderstands her. They both fail to understand her distress. Eli says, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. Hannah wasn't angry, but she was honest. No, my lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink. I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman. Eli must have been a bit embarrassed at his mistake and then he did the right thing and gave her a priestly blessing saying go in peace and let the God of Israel grant your petition that you've made him and she replied let your servant find favor in your eyes and you know what I'm not sure whether it was the blessing of Eli but Hannah wasn't sad anymore when we went back to the family tent she ate something She seemed to be at peace because of having fully expressed herself to God. And I can remember when we came back from the tabernacle, she was was like a different person. She wasn't downcast anymore. 
she was eating. But nothing had changed. She still didn't have a child. Panina was still getting at her elk and it still didn't understand her. But she was at peace. I think it was the blessing. But also, Hannah really rested in God's presence. She trusted him. She felt heard by him. I was amazed by how different she seemed. You know, often when I pray, I do it out of obligation or I'm half-hearted. I'm a bit empty, not her. She was open and honest as if her life depended on it. She even said she'd been praying from the depths of her anguish and resentment. She brought it all to God. The good, the bad, the downright painful. And you know, when, often when I pray, it's not a first resort. It's often the last. Not for her. Prayer was her first resort. She could have just relaxed after the feast with everyone. But, and it would have been expected. But no, she went to temple to pray. Habits, Hannah's habit of prayer was less about her goodness and more about God's greatness. She simply wanted to be heard. She knew God would hear her and she was pregnant. There are plenty of reasons for Hannah to be angry, upset, turn her back on God. And we're going to look at a few and look at her response. So what do we do when we are wronged? Hannah was living in an incredibly difficult situation. Women would live at close quarters. A man would leave the house, be independent, and the woman would stay in the house doing tasks. So they would live very close by one another and their families. Hannah would have the visual reminder of her childlessness. She would be comparing herself to the fertile Penina, day in, day out. Penina just doesn't even leave it at that. She mocks Hannah constantly, and it would be no easy task to be mocked, baited, constantly. But Hannah retained her serenity. She shows self-control and grace, even when Penina jibes her, gets at her cruelly. She refers to herself as a woman who is deeply troubled, She's not jealous. It's the green-eyed monster of jealousy has got hold of Penina, not Hannah. Hannah is actually content to let, to let the Lord take control. It describes in the Hebrew that Penina thundered against Hannah. And then in chapter 2 and verse 10, it's Hannah says, the Lord will thunder against those who oppose him. Hannah doesn't take revenge herself. She knows that God will take control. She is content that any wrong will be dealt with by God. She doesn't seek revenge. The world does not understand her. Her husband who loves her and the high priest, neither of them understand her. Elkanah doesn't seem to consider her position. He has his children. He is satisfied. He assumes she should be too. He seems to have overlooked the culture for women of the time. And he assumes he is as good as ten sons. When someone who loved her didn't understand her, 
she wasn't angry. Indeed, she gets up the next morning to pray. When someone who loves us doesn't understand us, do we pray? The priest of the temple, Eli, God's representative, fails to understand her. He thinks she's drunk. Still, she doesn't storm out, grumbling about how God doesn't listen, how man doesn't listen, and the world is against her. Instead, she's honest with Eli, blunt, yes, and honest. She took her sorrow to God. She offers herself up to him. How do we act when people are bad-mouthing us? When people misunderstand us, even within our family, our church, our workplace, our school. I can tell you I don't necessarily take my distress straight to God. Hannah humbly calls herself your servant. It's a repeated submissive way of referring to herself as in the presence of a superior in the ancient Near Eastern culture. She pleads with the Lord to remember her. Now this doesn't mean she thinks God has forgotten her. She means will God pay special attention? Will he lavish special care upon her? We can see they are intimate. They are friends. She knows God well. And in a culture where you almost always prayed aloud and with very set structures, she feels comfortable praying in her own way. Isn't that a wonderful description? Far from pouring out the wine, she's pouring out her heart to the Lord in her own way to someone who knows her so well. And she believes in God's power and goodness. Even though in that culture it was thought the Lord had closed her womb, she remained open to God. She prayed, she promised to give her all. And in her prayer, when it was answered, she quietly redeemed it. More than anything in the world, she wanted a son, and when she did have one, she gave him back to God. And before her situation changed, before her situation changed, she was at peace. It's easy for us to read this passage and think, sure, she got what she wanted. It's easy for her to be at peace. She, she had the son. She got what she wanted. But don't miss the key moment in the passage. In verse 18, it says, The woman went away and ate. Her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to the house at Ramah. Nothing has changed. Hannah is still, presumably, being tormented by her rival. Elkanah still doesn't understand her. Yet, the next morning they rose early and worshipped before the Lord. This has renewed significance. Her circumstances have not changed. She is changed. What about us? Something we can learn from the story of Hannah is that we will all experience heartaches 
in one form or another. In those times of struggle, what we can learn from Hannah is that even though everyone may misunderstand you, everyone misunderstood her, God understands. Are we going to be able to, rather than drowning our sorrows, rather than getting angry or resentful, are we able to come and pour our heart out to God? Are we, like Hannah, going to be able to rest in God's presence, knowing he has heard us and he understands? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the example of Hannah. We thank you that she shows us that we can come to you as a first resort, not a last. We can thank you that we can look at this example of this godly woman and make ourselves like her. When the world misunderstands us, when people misunderstand us, when people wrong us, we can come to you. We can come to you without anger, without resentment. We can bring it honestly, bluntly to you. We can come to you and pour ourselves out to you, even if we have been wronged, even if we're misunderstood, even if we are hurting. Lord, would that be the way we, we would live? That we could come to you in times of real distress and struggle. And Lord... We pray that we could follow this example, that we could be at peace knowing we have been heard. Knowing that you are a God who heard us, who understands us. And before the situation changes, before it gets any easier, Lord, we pray we could feel peace. Resting in your presence. Knowing we have met with you in our own way. Lord, would that be a challenge to us? Lord, I pray that we could really look to this passage in times of struggle and real hardship and pain. And we could use this example as our way of acting. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abigavenibaptist.co.uk